go live. Hello, everyone. Just going to wait for a couple minutes. I know there's a, it's a new channel, so not a lot of people are going to watch anyway, but uh, still give it a few minutes for people to straggle in. Uh, welcome to Unsafe Space. I am your host, Carter Laren. Uh, let's see. I guess while we're waiting for people, I can describe a little bit about why why I'm doing this. Um, in particular, why I'm I'm, I'm going to start doing. I think I'm going to start doing these Tuesday tea times, just for the hell of it. But um, the the idea behind them is to talk about the application of uh, universal ethical principles, which I know sounds really boring, but it's super important. Um, and and here's why: when you look at, um, let's take for example uh, the the believe all women mantra that the left uh, shouted at us a lot when uh, during the Kavanaugh confirmation. Um, this is an example of kind of an obvious ethical principle that doesn't uh, really doesn't stand if you apply it universally to everyone. Um, and Western civilization is actually built on uh, the philosophy of the Enlightenment. It's built on this concept of uh, universal ethics, right? Instead of the divine right of kings, it's built on this concept of universal ethics. John Locke's um, one of the key thinkers from the Enlightenment. That, that talked about the universal application of ethics. And if you want your children to live in a society where they have rights, uh, free speech rights, property rights, um, uh, a world in which they're treated fairly and um, rules are applied equally to everyone, then you need to, you need to support the universal application of ethics, right? This is just kind of a, a foundation, uh, a foundational cornerstone of of America and how America was built and and what America's institutions rely on. And the left, well, I'll say Marxists or, or postmodernists, they're, they're the same thing. Basically, all the postmodernists are Marxists. Um, the, the left has basically uh, made a concerted effort to abandon this concept of universal ethics. And instead, what they'll do is just try and use whatever quote, they'll, they'll throw together a principle, quote, principle, uh, to kind of win an argument for, uh, of the day, whatever the argument is. So with, if it's, uh, if it's that they don't want Kavanaugh confirmed, well, then it's believe all women. Um, but of course that's an easy one to see through, right? Because if you just apply that to, for example, uh, what was her name? Karen Monahan, I think, uh, Keith Ellison's accuser, of course, you know, they don't want it applied to her. And, um, and it's really important. I I think for people to understand that these kind of ideas, abstract them, universalize them so that you can kind of see through them. And it's really easy to do, but it does take a little bit of practice. Um, and some of them, like like that one, like Believe All Women, is very easy. Um, and that's obvious. Also, if you happen to this really useful in raising my daughter, uh, things like, uh, for example, let's say she, let's say we agreed that she, she promised to brush her teeth and go to bed. Um, without much of a fuss if I read another chapter in a book, right, when she was little. Well, if I read the chapter and then she was like, I don't want to brush my teeth, and I say, well, and she starts, uh, and I remind her of her promise, and she says, like, well, I changed my mind, or I don't want to, or but I don't feel like it, right? It was a, it was a great parenting technique, actually. It was really easy for me to just say, well, okay, fine. Like, that's fine. That could be the new rule. We'll just apply it universally. Right. And, and I wouldn't maybe use these words. Fine. So promises don't mean anything. That means the next time I make a promise to you, I can break it because I don't feel like it. So 
if I say you can have a cookie if you eat your green beans and you eat your green beans, I can just decide to change my mind. Promises, promises aren't something that we will accept. And of course, even when she was really young, you know, I might have to give more examples when she was really young, but when she was really young, it was a very obvious way to, oh, well, I don't want that. I'll just brush my teeth and not make a fuss. Like, I don't, that's a horrible universal rule that I just came up with, right? Um, so you just, you take something and you universalize it and you can demonstrate how, how it falls apart very easily. So, um, so I'm going to get started here and, and do this. I'm going to talk about uh, three things. And I'm going to, again, I'm going to do this every Tuesday. I'd be happy. I uh, love suggestions. I know, I know the show is kind of just starting. I don't have uh, a lot of follow over the coming weeks. I'm hoping I get some suggestions or examples from people that you want to talk about so we can kind of discuss how to unpack some of the craziness and apply really in an effort to demonstrate uh, that it's it's the opposite of to be, right? It seems to be something moral. It's actually something completely immoral that will destroy society. So uh, you can tweet those suggestions to uh, un safe show on YouTube and let me know. So uh, today I'm just going to try and cover three things. Um, one is Zith Warren, my, my favorite Indian. Uh, uh, she's Cherokee, if you didn't know. Uh, um, so I'm going to cover that. I'm going to, and that one's an easy one, I think. And I'm going to actually call um, uh, Antifa's Characterized attacks on people as self-defense, and, and I got into it with some Antifa supporters on Twitter recently, and it really made me think about this. I'm actually reading the Antifa uh, handbook right now, and and also going to talk about uh, some things that Hillary Clinton said anniversary. So here we go. Let's see here. All right, number one, Elizabeth Warren. So, um, I'm you probably know Elizabeth Warren. Uh, she claimed that she was Cherokee, right? And Trump then made fun of her for this because, she, look, she's blonde hair, blue eyes. Uh, she looks white as bedsheets or whatever. She's like, she doesn't look at all uh, Native American. And and not only President Trump mocked her for it, but Native American tribes, the Cherokee tribes and Native, American, Native Americans have been complaining that she's misrepresenting herself. And so she really one up everyone and show uh yes i am i am native american you'll see and she she put out a video and that that um that showcases her journey with a geneticist from stanford i don't remember his name um and he basically ran a genetics test on her and the results of the test are that she is that one ancestor between six and 10 generations ago may have been Native American, sort of. I mean, it was uh, the the pool that they used was like involved some South American uh, DNA. So that's not totally clear, but let's let's assume that that's fine. And it's Native American ancestry. So so one person six to 10 generations ago, that puts her uh, that puts her percentage of Native Native American DNA at between 0.098% and 1.56%. So just to give you some context here, um, I think the average, uh, kind of the average European American uh, in in the U.S. Uh, has 0.18 percent Native American DNA. So she's they would fall right in the middle of uh, of Elizabeth Warren's range of what DNA she has. 
that makes her Native American. Now, obviously, I, this shouldn't be an issue. I don't really care how much Native American blood uh, Elizabeth Warren has, and I, I doubt anyone else does, except for the fact that she is touting it, and she, she's using, she's representing herself as Cherokee. And she'll say, well, that wasn't used in getting any jobs. Uh, maybe not. But she did acknowledge that she listed herself as Native American on both the Harvard University and, and Pennsylvania, or University of Pennsylvania, both those universities, she listed herself as Native American. Did that um, affect her admission? Well, you know, of course, the admissions office is to say no, but they have to say no. They can't say yes to that. Um, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Um, she, the, you know, Harvard did tout her as an example of a Native American um, professor when, when they were asked about uh, diversity among students and faculty. Um, the spokesman, Mike Ch uh, Chumra, said, um, hey, professor, professor of law, Elizabeth Warren is Native American, right? So um, they certainly touted her as that. She also listed herself as a minority in the uh, American Association of Law Schools directory. Um, and she's contributed recipes to Native American cookbook called, I'm not joking, it's called Pow Wow Chow. 1984, and uh, she signed her name, Elizabeth Warren Cherokee, which is oddly specific, uh, but okay. So, so here we go. So Elizabeth Warren uh, is now claiming that this is proof, right? 0.098% up to 1.5 or whatever, so I'm in that range. This is now proof that she is indeed... Um, She's indeed Native American. By the way, I forgot to mention, I'm calling this tea time because I've been drinking tea today, every day uh, around this time. It's snobby and British, but whatever. This is actually Chinese tea, but okay. So, um, so let's universalize this. And this is an easy one to universalize. So we, to universalize it, we just take the specifics and we turn them into abstracts. So the specific is Elizabeth Warren. Okay, so... Let's abstract that to all individuals, because right, because this principle that you can have this amount of of DNA and be, and consider yourself that ethnicity, right, needs to be abstracted. So okay, well, so that means it's not just for true for Elizabeth Warren; it needs to be true for everyone. That's the first level of abstraction. The next one we can do is say, well, it can't be just true for Native American ancestry; it has to be true for all ancestries, any ancestry, um, and any minority ancestry, because certainly she's not mostly Native American. Um, so that's how you, that's the process of going about it. So what, what do you conclude then? Well, the, the universal principle to apply here, uh, according to Elizabeth, any person who, uh, you know, using a similar analysis can demonstrate that they possess between 0.098% and 1.56% genetic material from any specific genealogical group can claim membership in that group and, we all have to recognize that as a totally legitimate claim. That's okay. Sounds a little bit, again, when you universalize, principles are often very abstract. So like I had to do with my daughter when she was young, I, you know, now I can just say, oh, so the rule is blank and I can say it abstractly and she understands, you know, what that means and I don't have to give examples. But um, sometimes abstract rules are, are a little bit difficult to understand. So let's look at some examples. How would this be applied then, right? Well, that means that since the average European American can be can claim to be 0.18% Native American, 
all European Americans can claim to be Native American. And what's even kind of more interesting to me is uh, the average European American is also 0.19% African, which means all European Americans are now African Americans. We can all identify as African Americans. We can all call ourselves African Americans. We can all check off the box of African American. Um, employers can say they've uh, they've got African American representation if you're a white person with 0.19%, which is the average uh, of African genes. Now, obviously, this means no more affirmative action. You can say goodbye to that, which uh, I'll bet. Elizabeth Warren doesn't want, I'd be fine saying goodbye to affirmative action, but uh, I bet the left wouldn't. Um, it also means you got to get rid of all ra racial quotas from companies. No more complaining about how many uh, Asians are at Google or black people are engineers at, at Facebook. Doesn't matter because uh, if we go by this standard, there are plenty of minorities. Uh, in these companies. And it also means California that you can't complain about the prevalence of white people uh, on boards or in executive roles or in positions of power uh, because as long as we've got little fraction of uh, African or some other minority DNA in us, we are we are golden. Now, incidentally, um, one thing that I want to point out is when this article came out, it came out in the Boston Globe, this article about Elizabeth Warren's heritage. And um, I did a double take because they said she was 132nd um, Native American. And, you know, uh, I was a cryptographer in a previous life before being a venture capitalist uh, and now just a poor guy on the Internet. Um, I was OK at math, <laughs> right? The math is pretty straightforward. Uh, it's. Two raised to the power of generations is the 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 number that's the uh, denominator. So, if it's your grandparents, or sorry, if it's your parents, it's one half. If it's your grandparents, it's one over four, right? Their their parents, one over eight. So, you know, I read the report. Six, two to the sixth, right? It's sixty four. So, it should be a one sixty fourth chance, um, up to one in one uh, ten twenty four chance, and. Uh, you know, Boston Globe later corrected this and said, oh, we made a math there. I actually, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. I, I don't think that was, in, I, don't, I think that was intentional. I mean, I, I think they were just sloppy, right? Um, you know, of course, they used the low end or, you know, the, the better looking number, right? They could have said one in 512. Instead, they said one in 32. And then kind of in the article said, oh, well, maybe one in 512. Um, but uh, I think they also just didn't care to check the math. They liked 1 in 32 sounds better than 1 in 64, so they went with that and then got caught. Um, eh, maybe not, but certainly uh, certainly, it's kind of a lame it's a lame uh, excuse. Like, oops, we screwed up the math. It's, it's, it's pretty basic math. Okay, so that's, that's the Elizabeth Warren one. I think that's easy to universalize, and so that shouldn't be about Antifa. I get more tea. So, I got into kind of a Twitter war the other day. I didn't really do much. I said a couple things, and then I was piled on by a bunch of uh, NPCs that were supporting Antifa. Decided to tweet every kind of insult at me they could. But one of the one of the the things that I said was, well. Um, 
I said, hey, you know, I know, I know this is true. I, I know people who were uh, beaten up and attacked for wearing the wrong hat. Now, they assumed I meant a MAGA hat. Um, actually, I was thinking of a friend of mine who was wearing a Make Bitcoin Great Again hat, which everyone interpreted as a MAGA hat. But um, uh, the response was, uh, it's okay to use physical violence against those people because that hat, this is a quote, that hat represents the rise of fascism in America. And, um, and so that's the claim, that the MAGA hat represents the rise of fascism. And... Um, you know, since then, I've actually, I've, I've, like I said earlier, I've started to read the Antifa handbook. Uh, actually, they don't know what fascism is, or if they do, they don't care. Um, in Antifa parlance, and this is not something I realized at the time, uh, in Antifa parlance, fascism is anything that's not Marxist, basically. Um, so they don't have, they don't actually understand the difference between uh, capitalism and fascism. Um, in fact, even in the Antifa handbook. Uh, one of the guys, or the guy writing it, uh, kind of makes this uh, argument that, not an argument, he makes a comment that uh, anarcho-capitalism is an oxymoron, and I think he really believes that. He doesn't understand what capitalism actually is, and I'm not going to get into that right now. But um, one thing that's evident so far from reading the book is that in Antifa parlance, anything that's not Marxism is fascism. Anything. any, Literally anything. So... Um, but let's look at the real definition of fascism, right? So fascism, this is Merriam-Webster, right? Uh, there's a, a bunch of components to it. It's any one of these. The centralization of authority under a dictator, okay. Stringent socioeconomic controls, okay. Suppression of the opposition through terror and censorship. And a policy of belligerent nationalism. Um, and again, fascism, I think the reason that the... Antifa folks believe that anything that's not communist is fascist is because uh, the anti-fascist, the Antifa movement arose out of fighting. Uh, it, it was basically arose out of communists fighting fascists in Europe, right? So um, in their mind, there was only two sides. It was like, you know, Stalin or Mussolini, we go for Stalin, right? Um, so that's why this, that's kind of their mentality. Um, but so obviously I don't think that the MAGA hat represents, uh, the rise of fascism as, as they do, but, um, but we can assume it does. And by, by the way, I think it's pretty obvious to, to demonstrate that it doesn't represent the rise of fascism because Trump's not really, Trump's a pragmatist. Um, he's not a principled anything, uh, really. He's just kind of a pragmatist. I don't like a lot of stuff he does, but he, the guy's not. He's not a principled anything, right? He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't really speak fascism. He speaks gruffly and says things, but you know, he doesn't. Uh, there's no unified principled vision coming from Trump. So anyway, uh, so their argument is that um, supporting the rise, this hat is supporting the rise of fascism, or in their minds, capitalism, which is fascism in their minds. Um, that's that in and of itself is the initiation of force. Right. So the argument here um, that Antifa is making, and they really believe this, and I didn't realize how much they believed it until I started to read this book. But uh, their argument is that the the actual um, support of any quote fascist ideology, and again, any non-Marxist ideology, so supporting a non-Marxist ideology is in and of itself the initiation of force, and therefore 
anything they do to you is self-defense. That is their honest-to-God belief, and they um, they don't hide it. Right. It's funny because when you talk about other groups with them, they, you know, you'll ask to show that they're fascists and they'll say, well, they're, no, they're hiding this and they're hiding that. And of course, they wouldn't come out and say it. Right. Um, but Antifa certainly comes out and says exactly what they mean uh, and think. So. And universalize it. So for the sake of this argument, to universalize that I'm not going to get into whether the MAGA hat represents fascism or not. It doesn't. Let's take the word for it. Let's pretend that it does. Well, what do we have to generalize? Well, we have to generalize away from just fascism, right? Because fascism is kind of a specific form of government. So we'd have to say, well, this can't be true just for fascism, but any form of violence or oppressive government, right? So uh, again, yeah, that's just true for Mussolini and Hitler, but it also has to be true for Mao and Stalin and um, anyone on the left as well, any any oppressive government, right? So any advocacy, and let's go through the list of def um, So any advocacy of any one of these things would have to be included, right? Uh, centralization of authority. Well, that's certainly, certainly communism fits that definition, right? Whether it's one dictator or uh, a party of dictators is really irrelevant. It's the centralization of authority. You can't argue that China is not centralized authority, right? So communism certainly meets that definition. Um, stringent economic controls. I mean, that's like what the left is, right? Stringent economic controls. Uh, so, okay, meets that definition. Suppression of the opposition through terror and censorship. Well, hang around Antifa for five minutes and you'll recognize that there is no one more adamant uh, about suppressing opposition through terror and censorship than Antifa, the Marxist communists. Um, nationalism is another aspect of the definition of fascism. Now, of course, that's more of a right-wing thing. Um, so uh, the communism tends to be more globalist. Um, and then, and then racism, which uh, I would argue is um, more of a left-wing thing, but of course they've redefined racism to mean power plus racism, which is uh, a weird definition. Um, communists typically are about class bigotry rather than race bigotry, right? So, but we can extend this to big bigotry in general, right? So, okay, so if if we abstract that away, we get this kind of thought that, okay, any any propaganda or any support of a government ideology that has any of these components um, falls into the same category as a MAGA hat, right? And not to blow your mind a little bit, but as, a, uh, as an anarcho-capitalist, which is not an oxymoron, by the way, uh, Antifa, uh, but as an anarcho-capitalist, uh, I would actually argue that the government is by definition a monopoly on the use of force and uh, any advocate, advocacy for the expansion of power of the government is an advocacy for violence. So you could actually throw uh, any kind of advocacy for government expansion of power in the same um, abstract concept. I realize uh, that's a little bit much for some people, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna expand it for the purpose of this generalization. I won't. We'll just leave it to uh, include fascism and communism. Okay. So so what's the standard that we've got here, right? Um, 
there's not really uh, a process for deciding whether an ideology constitutes a violent political philosophy, since all political ideologies, other than anarcho-capitalism, uh, actually do advocate some level of the use of force by the state. Um, and roughly half the voters voted for Trump. So it's not really, there's not really a standard here. So it's, again, this is now based on interpretation. All right, so again, when we, we're abstracting out of here, so it can't be just a, a, a hat that stands for fascism. It has to be like a hat that stands for kind of any government to violence and expansion, all those things I just listed, which includes a lot of communists, all communists and Marxist uh, governments. And then we have to abstract away from a hat, right? It can't just be about a hat, right? You can't say, well, the hats are bad, but shirts aren't, right? So it can't just be a hat with a slogan. It's going to be any overt support of anything that might be construed by the people reading or interpreting it as supporting government violence, okay? So that means, um, well, wearing a shirt with a phrase or picture on it, advocating for voting for a candidate uh, who wants to, let's say, add a regulation, right? That's government violence. Um, tweeting making a speech, uh, expressing any kind of opinion uh, that's pro-Marxist, communist, socialist, regardless of the form, right? And then we have to abstract from not just beating up people. So we're, we're abstracted the, uh, the type of offense they have, right? They're offended at fascism. We've abstracted the method of the, or the, the, the medium through which the offense was, which is the hat. We've extracted that to any support. And now we have to abstract away what they, they said you can basically beat people up or attack people. Well, what's the abstraction of that? Well, if it's okay to initiate force under the assumption that the other pers person is advocating uh, murder for you, then there's really no stopping you from escalating to murder. So punching is just an arbitrary uh, form of physical violence. Uh, you could absolutely justify killing people as well. Uh, Pavich, uh, we can look that terms, but um, it's basically an attempted murder. So the conclusion here, let's universalize this, this thing. Again, this is a little bit messier than universalizing uh, Elizabeth Warren's uh, Pocahontas claims. Um, okay, so expressing even curious, um, or sorry, any kind of cursory or tacit support, right? Like a hat, a thing, right? Expressing any kind of tacit support for anything that someone might interpret as supporting violence, specifically government violence. We kind of limited it here, and we and I even excluded some of the, uh, you know, I, I didn't say all government violence. I'm just kind of saying Marxist and, and fascist. So expressing any kind of tacit support for anything that might be interpreted as supporting violent government is the same as violence, and therefore. The person who interprets that as violence is justified in using force against you, and there's no reason that there's a constraint against that, so they can kill you. So that's the that's the principle that the that Antifa is arguing for. So how does that affect Antifa and the rest of us? Well, um, let's see some examples of how this might be then applied. Again, remember I was talking how I applied things with my daughter. We have to go universal, and then. It's hard to understand what that means. We have to give concretes of how that universal principle is then reapplied in another situation. Um, okay, well, let's talk about Antifa's favorite thing, communism. Communism killed 100 million people last century, way more than fascism. So this means that if we apply this principle that, the, that Antifa has set up explicitly, uh, then we can beat up or kill anyone who 
uh, calls themselves a Marxist or communist, um, which includes all Marxist professors, uh, all of Antifa, basically. They're fair game. Uh, anyone who reads or promotes or sells communist manifesto or communist propaganda, fair game to kill or beat up. Uh, anyone who wears uh, ANCOM lapel pins, which uh, is anarcho-communism, which I actually think is an oxymoron, but uh, that's another episode. Um, Antifa wears those. Totally fine to attack them. You can also just beat up the guy that wears the Che Guevara t-shirt, apparently, because um, Che Guevara was a, a bloody monster. And uh, certainly um, uh, his support of communist government in Cuba um, falls under the same universal principle. So, and, and obviously, if you're someone who understands that all government is the initiation of the use force, uh, you actually then could use this principle to uh, basically attack anyone who advocates for any increase in government power whatsoever, wears a flag of any country, all that stuff. So obviously that's ridiculous. Uh, um, we don't want to live in a society like that. Uh, and, and in the Enlightenment, and uh, Enlightenment thinkers, Enlightenment philosophers taught us that, hey, fully applied and still have any kind of sane society, it's not a good idea, right? Um, I'm paraphrasing, obviously there's more uh, philosophic rigor to their uh, to John Locke's arguments and that kind of thing. But um, look, if that's if those are the rules that Antifa wants, then we should apply them universally. And if we apply them universally, it is utter chaos. It's, it's just civil war. That's all it is, um, which is horrible. Obviously, I don't think we should apply those universally um, because I think it's a horrible, horrible principle. And is by doing what we just did, you abstract it and reapply it. Okay, so the final the final one I'm going to talk about, I might do a bonus one here uh, based on something that happened, but the final one is uh, is Hillary Clinton. She said, and this again, this is actually a little bit easier, I think, to abstract away, uh, or sorry, abstract out and universalize and reapply. Um, she said, I'm sure a lot of people saw this interview. She said, uh, quote, you cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for what you care about, a statement. Well, um, we don't even have to universalize uh, Republicans because she didn't say that. She said so it's already all political parties. Got them. What they, they want to destroy what you stand for and what you care about or what you care about. Well, she was speaking in the context of Democrats and what she cares about and what the left cares about. But universalizing this out, everyone has something they stand for or even just care about, right? Um, you know, some political party, there's something about where there's some political party who wants to destroy what they care about, right? Um, for a lot of conservative Christians, it would be abortion. Uh, that for abortion, right? If it's um, if it's the the people on uh, uh, so let's say pro military, right? The left wants to destroy the military, right? Or or cut it back. If it's they people want to cut taxes, well, the left wants to increase taxes. So the left wants to destroy just as much as the right does um, when it when you're talking about just listing things that people care about. So. Whether you're far right or far left, it doesn't really matter, or anywhere in between. Um, destroy really just means is against politically. It means like, you know, 
make political moves against, right? Um, and advocating direct, directly advocating violence, but she certainly means things like shouting at people in restaurants and that kind of thing um, to give her a generous interpretation. And there's one other thing I want to point out about her, her statement, which we can universalize. She did not say you don't have to be civil. You cannot be civil, right? So this is, she's saying it's impossible to be civil, right? You must harass someone, a political party, who has different opinions than yours. So what does this look like? Well, to be un again, harass, be rude to, kick out of restaurants, whatever. You can be uncivil to anyone whose political opinion differs from yours. This is easy. About half the population, therefore, should be uncivil all the time because one half is in power half the time and the other half is not. So uh, we, she, we're now uh, entering an era, according to Hillary Clinton, where uh, I'll be horribly uncivil to each other no matter who's in power because if that principle is applied universally, obviously, um, if the Democrats are in power, Republicans can be assholes back to the Democrats. So um, let's see what this might look like applied in some specifics. Well, it means that Republicans should not have been polite to Christine Blasey Ford at all um, because she was trying to destroy something they stood for, which was Kavanaugh's confirmation um, and, and actually also the um, presumption of innocence, right, and, and uh, due process. So they should not have been polite to Christine Blasey Ford at all. Um, Republicans, libertarians, anyone who uh, feels threatened uh, by what they care about or feels that what they care about is threatened by the Democrats. But must the foreign all, all these people, right? It's pretty obvious um, taking this concept and universalizing it and then reapplying it um, really creates uh, a dystopian society. And this is super, super common. You know, Democrats, more but again, they don't think in terms of universal principles, right? Because they have been trained by postmodernists, they don't think in terms of universal principles. They don't think when I say believe all women, what does that actually mean? applied they just say whatever they need to to win the argument in the moment whatever magic words work that's what they're saying but we need to train our people we need to show other people and train ourselves to be able to abstract into universal principles and then them not the kind to live in that we want to live in i certainly don't want to live in that society and i think most rational reasonable people moderates out there don't want to live in a society uh, ruled by the University Clinton articulated. So as a bonus, one other thing I thought I'd quickly talk about because it was funny uh, today, uh, Trump tweeted that Stormy Daniels has a horse face. Um, actually ended up having to go look up uh, pictures of Stormy Daniels. Uh, it was a horrible, horrible job. I don't know, I guess a little bit, but you know, I'm not going to say she's bad looking. The question is, um, so people, obviously people got upset about this presidential. He, he said she had a horse face. Um, but 
Trump is just universalizing. Now, look, Trump, so I'm not suggesting this is actually his thought process, but you could justify this by simply doing what we just did, universalizing and then reapplying, right? What has the left been mocking about Trump for years now, right? His looks, his hair, his orange skin. What did Stormy Daniels mock about Trump? She mocked his penis and what it looks like and, and how big it is or shape or whatever, right? So his physical attributes have been made fair game by the left for years now, right? So all Trump really has to be Trump uh, and come up with this stuff like horse face, he could just simply right, abstract those attacks against him, universalize them, and reapply them, right? End up with the same conclusion. He would start looking at Stormy Daniels and trying to pick on her. So, you know, um, and I think, you know, one thing I think that's important for us to, and, and when I say us, I'm not, not talking to conservative anarcho-capitalism, although shout out if you are an anarcho-capitalist. Um, I'm talking about anyone who's not a Marxist, basically. Anyone who wants to not live in the Antifa dystopia that is being foisted on us, right? These kind of uh, arguments that are thrown around, we need to demonstrate to everyone else, look, this is how you universalize this world, what they're actually arguing for. Hillary Clinton is not arguing for only Democrats should be uncivil, should be uncivil to anyone that they don't like. FIFA is, is arguing that everyone should be able to shoot and punch and beat up anyone who disagrees with them, basically, right? Um, and anyone who disagrees with anyone else, basically. Anyone who can claim that there's some violence inherent in a political position someone takes, right? Fair game. Elizabeth Warren is not claiming some special status as a Native American. She is claiming that no one has any, because everyone basically fits into some definition of minority based on the numbers that she's using, right? So that's the being, um, that's being proposed by the left. And for some of us, I know for some of it's easier to see than others. And, but some of us, some of us, it's a little bit harder. And I, I think we need to practice it, which is what I want to do every Tuesday at four during tea time with, if you've got other ideas for things that, uh, we should talk about, um, if I made an error somewhere, you know, point it out. I, I did a bad job universalizing and, and reapplying, but, uh, it's a, it's a practice that I think we can all get better at. I'm not perfect. There's some things, like I said, are easy, like all women, and some things are a little bit more nuanced. So thanks for watching. Um, to end, uh, you can follow or uh, or subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter at Unsafe Show, or you can subscribe at unsafeshow.com. Uh, or please also, if you're not already, I'm starting to build an, uh, slowly, slowly building an audience and talking about this important stuff, and uh, would love to have interaction and feedback from everyone. So... Thanks again. Have a great day and enjoy the rest of tea time. Take care, everyone.